0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 207 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley,
1: Adam, Nate,
2: and
0: Steph. And we are recording this for you on July 9th. I'm sure many of you know what day that is.
3: Whoa, July 9th.
0: You know, so obviously it's the date Taylor referenced in Last Kiss and is still very popular for fans to celebrate on social media. And I always feel a little bit silly. I feel kind of like, why are we doing this? But also it's required.
3: (laughs) It is required. I don't know. I think it's fun. I don't know. Honestly, it's one of her best songs.
1: Well, I was going to ask, is this the only date that is given in any of Taylor's songs?
2: You know, I was thinking about that earlier. I think it is.
1: I think it might be. She mentions months, of course, but not specific dates.
2: And days of the week, like Tuesday and Wednesday. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm
0: pretty sure it is. So I guess that makes sense and why we will always celebrate it.
3: (laughs) I don't know. Hey, I have fun doing it. I love this song. I think it's one of her best. So any day that actually celebrates it, I think is a good day for me.
2: Yeah, I've listened to it multiple times today.
0: And it also reminded me of a few weeks ago, back on episode 199, when we did the interview with Andrew Galecki, who's putting out his EP of Taylor covers because Last Kiss was one of the songs on there, and I love his version of it.
3: Oh, for sure. It is definitely my favorite of all of his that he released on that EP. If you guys haven't listened to it, seriously, go and check it out. It's free to stream or download or whatever.
0: Yeah, he's at Andrew Galecki, that's G-A-L-U-C-K-I, on all the social media And episode 199 also features a clip of that song, if you want to listen to it on our site. While in honor of this date, we're going to be continuing our series of tour flashback episodes. We've had some great ones for you guys. We've so far released episodes looking back at Red and 1989 and Fearless, and we're so excited to be finally covering Speak Now, especially since we can record it on July 9th.
2: Yeah, it seemed like the perfect week for Speak Now. Even though it doesn't coincide with the date the tour started, we tried to do that with our other flashback episodes, but July 9th seemed perfect otherwise.
3: Yes, and it's the final installment of this miniseries, so if you guys haven't heard the other episodes, definitely go and check them out. Those episode numbers are 191, 198, and 201. Definitely, definitely worth a listen.
0: And we talked about amongst ourselves maybe trying to do something for the debut era, but I don't think we've quite figured out yet what that would be.
1: Yeah, that would be fun. Since it wasn't a specific tour, it might be a little more difficult to come up with a top 13 list, but maybe down the road we can find some type of discussion about all the different people she opened for in the first, first era.
0: So we're going to be getting to our Speak Now countdown in a little bit, but for now we have some older tweets.
1: Our first one actually comes from the 4th of July in 2009. Taylor wrote, everyone should see the 4th of July fireworks from an airplane at least once. It's beautiful and slightly terrifying.
2: I don't remember that one.
3: I don't remember this either. I'm a little jealous, though. I would love to see
1: that.
2: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
1: It would be very cool. I've seen a couple videos online of drone footage of fireworks, and that is really cool.
2: So that was summer
0: 2009. She must have been flying around during the Fearless tour.
3: Oh, yeah, you're right. I wonder if she was actually like mid-flight to one of her shows. Well, our next one is actually really awesome, too. Uh, This one comes from July 7th, 2009, just three days after that one. And Taylor tweeted, making crepes for the first time. This is life-changing.
1: I wonder if she was in France, because that's a French type of food, isn't it?
2: It is. But I'm not quite sure where she would have been at that time.
1: Yeah, she must have just been in the mood to make (laughs) crepes.
2: Yeah, I think she was in the middle of the Fearless tour around that time. And I have to
0: say, one of the things that I miss the most from her lack of social media presence is that we just don't know what she's cooking.
3: You know, that's a really good point. I mean, we go through all these tweets every week, and there's almost always a food-related one. But in the past, like, year, because of her absence, I mean, I didn't realize how much I'd miss all of these food tweets.
0: How are we supposed to know what recipes we're supposed to make for each season if she's not telling us? Oh, my God, Taylor.
2: (laughs) Yeah, with this one, I really wonder, even though she told us she was making crepes, I wonder what she put in them. Was it a dinner kind of crepe with meat or was it a dessert one? Maybe Nutella or strawberries or something?
3: You know, I'm still behind the idea. I don't know. It was one of you guys, uh, but came up with the idea that Taylor should make a cookbook of everything that she does.
2: She absolutely should. Yeah, it would be a bestseller. Well, our next one is from a year later on July 5th of 2010. And Taylor tweeted, Went antique shopping with my parents in downtown Franklin. Bought a compass and a knitted cat pillow. Both very necessary for my new place. And this is funny because, of course, Taylor's buying a compass and a knitted cat pillow. But also... This would have been when Taylor was moving to her very first place, which was her condo in Nashville. And this was before Speak Now, which we're featuring on this episode. So whenever she talks about her new place, it always reminds me of Never Grow Up, which is a fantastic song on Speak Now.
3: You know, I could totally picture both of these things being in that apartment, too, uh, from everything that... Uh, has ever come out about that apartment how like whimsical and like bird cagey that place is (laughs) i feel like those two things just fit right at home
0: the next one is one i remember very well and it's kind of a bummer but taylor tweeted on july 7th 2011 yeah there are all sorts of fun things to do while sick and on vocal rest like sitting here popping bubble wrap by myself hashtag wish i was on tour this was when she had to postpone a few shows during the Speak Now tour.
2: Right, she had bronchitis.
1: Yeah, I remember that too. I think I remember a tweet that she sent that said it was her first time having to postpone a show.
2: Right.
3: And as we talked about last week, that was because of Gillette,
2: right? Right, the rain show. Mm-hmm. She ended up getting bronchitis after the.
3: Poor Taylor. She always seems to be sick at least once every tour. I feel really bad for her.
2: Yeah, and even last year when she wasn't on tour, she was still sick for her performance at Formula One.
3: Her only show. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) But you have to give her props. She generally doesn't cancel unless she's really, really sick. And I can't really remember any other time she's canceled. I remember she was supposed to go to Thailand once, but because of the unrest there she had to just cancel the shows which a lot of artists had to do around that time
0: yeah i can't think of any other time when she's been when she's had to postpone for being sick she always powers through
2: and she always sounds perfect even when she's sick
0: that's all we have for the older tweets for this week and now we have a few squad tweets from taylor's friends who have some exciting things going on
1: the first one isn't necessarily exciting but it was eye-opening, and it's a tweet that Lord had to send out this week. There was a news story going around that said that Lord was no longer in Taylor Swift's squad, and I know we talk about the squad a lot and all of Taylor's friends and all the publicity that it gets, but when something like that comes out, it opens a few eyes, and Lord felt the need to make a statement about that. So this is the statement that she said. Wow, something of a frustrating thing to have to address, but here we go. Taylor is a dear friend. I love her very much. In the interview in question, I had just been talking about Bowie and Patti Smith. Those were the idols I was referring to that I was saying I'm not friends with, not Taylor. I've always found people's perception of this squad idea frustrating in the past. It was never some exclusive club or secret society, but a wide circle of people, some of whom I know and some who I've never met like most wide groups of friends. Forgive me for the mild eye roll I popped when it was brought up as if we're all blood members of a secret cult. It really stinks to wake up to headlines about whether or not you've jumped ship on someone you deeply respect and ride for. I want to say one more time that Taylor has been there for me in all my dark and light moments these past five years. All of them. I feel truly terrible that it would ever seem like I wasn't faithfully her person. I messed up an interview question. Now go sip a beverage and head out on a walk.
0: Yeah, I think it's ridiculous that she had to say that. I'm glad she did say that and she explained herself very well. But for years now, the media has turned this squad thing into just something that I don't understand.
1: They have. Remember, Carly one time had to write a tweet that said, I will not let the media, you know, misconstrue my words or whatever she said.
2: Yeah, that was similar to this. And this, if you read the quote, I knew exactly what she was saying. She was just saying the squad thing isn't really a thing. It's just something the media made up. It's not like they're these members of some club. But it just shows how things can quickly spiral out of control because there were articles everywhere saying Lord and Taylor are no longer friends.
0: There have been articles like that, I feel like, a few times about them. And didn't one time... Taylor tweeted, like, we're on FaceTime right now laughing about this or something.
2: Exactly, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that was a few years ago. But yeah, Taylor said that they were on FaceTime laughing about all these headlines, which hopefully that's what they were doing now, too.
0: And I mean, I know the same thing has happened with Selena. There have been articles about them, which obviously they're still friends. And I just think, aside from the squad thing, I feel like the media should stop asking people this question when they're in an interview to promote their own work. I just don't understand why they feel the need to constantly do that.
3: I agree. It's definitely rude. And, you know, I think my favorite thing about Lord is her loyalty to Taylor. Uh, every time that she's pressed on these things, I'm, you know, it's a classy move to come out and clarify these things that the media spins about her and Taylor. So anyway, I give her major props for that.
2: Yeah, I definitely thought this was a great move on lord's part and even though i'm disappointed that it was necessary i'm glad she took the time to clear things up
3: well in much lighter news uh Heim has just released a brand new album uh they tweeted on july 7th something to tell you that's the album title is out worldwide so the album came out on july 7th um it has 11 tracks uh and i don't know i haven't uh listened to it yet
0: I hope that Taylor ends up bringing them out as a special guest on the next tour because I definitely will miss seeing them as an opener.
3: Oh my gosh, me too. And I think it's um, Esty, if I'm not mistaken, but the faces that she makes when (laughs) she is up on stage, (laughs) they are the most hilarious faces. She's up there playing guitar. Uh, Anyway, it really just cracks me up.
0: Yeah, she did the same thing when they were on Saturday Night Live a couple months ago. It was great.
2: I would think that they would have a good probability of being a special guest on the next tour if taylor does special guests again i could see it happening so we all just need to cross our fingers that there will be a tour soon maybe next summer
3: most definitely
2: this very day
0: next year we could be watching taylor
3: oh my god (laughs) (laughs) don't get me worked up like that Ashley.
2: (laughs) fingers crossed Well, speaking of summer tours, Ed Sheeran announced a huge stadium tour in the United Kingdom for next summer, when hopefully Taylor will also be touring. But he tweeted, the United Kingdom stadium tour sold out this morning, so we're adding more dates due to overwhelming demand. So the unfortunate thing is they're all in Europe, which is great for European fans. But I remember him talking about a stadium tour and I was under the impression that he planned to do the stadium tour in the United States too. So I had all these plans of being able to see Ed at a stadium and hopefully Taylor next summer. But this tour is looks like it's taking up his whole summer of 2018. So that's great for him. I just doubt that I'll get over to Europe to see any actual dates.
1: And his tour must just be doing great because to add shows due to overwhelming demand means that they're... Basically selling out instantly.
2: Well, and the other thing is, by next summer, his album will be really about a year and a half old. So that's pretty incredible.
1: I don't know if you guys remember, but back probably two and a half years now, when the tickets for the 1989 tour went on sale, it was fall of 2014, right? Right. So coming up on almost three years, but um, I remember specifically... Her adding a show, but I think she added several shows due to demand, didn't she?
2: She did, yes.
1: One I remember is Chicago because I got tickets to the show and then all of a sudden a day or two later, it's like new announcement, another show the next night. And I was like, oh, cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I always kind of when I look at tour dates, I always take notice of when there's gaps in between each city because you can kind of sometimes tell when that's likely to happen.
2: Yeah, that's a good tip for when she announces tour dates. Because sometimes if you miss tickets the first time, you can get really upset. But just try not to panic because more dates likely will be added.
0: That's actually what happened to me for Ed's arena tour for this fall. I wanted to get tickets for the first night in Nashville, which went really quickly, but I was able to get really good tickets for the second night.
2: Yeah, and if you're interested in seeing Ed... Like I said, it seems like he's only going to be in the United States as of right now, just through this fall. He already started his tour of the United States. He was on the Today Show last week. So if you want to go see him, try to get some tickets soon. Because I think Ashley's date in Nashville is his final date in October, and then he'll be done with the United States. That's correct.
3: I got to make it before then. Oh, man. I was really banking, like you, Steph, to get some tickets for the stadium tours next year. I don't think I can go to Europe.
2: (laughs) Well, because I remember in an interview, he said he's making his own boy band, and this boy band is going to be the opener for his stadium tour. And I guess he never explicitly said he was coming to the United States. I, I guess I just assumed that, and I was wrong. But I do think that even just seeing an opening boy band that Ed is creating and writing all the songs for... Would be pretty cool.
3: Oh, for sure. I'm definitely jealous of our UK listeners out there who are able to go to this tour. If you have tickets, just let us know. Yeah, I'd love it if you flew me out there, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And our final squad tweet for this week comes from Haley Steinfeld. She tweeted on July 6th, Next week, I'm rocking the plaza for the City Concert Series on today's show. You coming? Hashtag Haley today. Hashtag most girls. And Most Girls is her recent single. So definitely exciting that she's going to be on the Today Show.
1: And like Steph said, uh, Ed was on last week. So those are always fun to watch. You usually get three or four songs, which is cool. Um, So I I watched Ed last week and I'll probably check out Haley next week,
2: too. Yeah. And if you're in the area, it's free. You just have to wait for a long time if you want a good spot. But it's a good deal. Well, that's all we have for
0: squad tweets for this week, and we're going to go into our news, which is pretty light this week, but still a couple pieces to touch on. The first item was that the 4th of July came and went, and unfortunately, there was no party that we could see at Taylor's house.
3: Yeah, uh, two things. First of all, it's interesting when Taylor doesn't have a party, how much news that actually generates. And (laughs) secondly, I have to give you major props, Ashley, because last week at the end of our episode, we all stood strong. We predicted that Taylor would have a party, but you were the only one who said, I don't know, I don't think so this year. And you're right. You're right.
0: I mean, I, I didn't want to be right, but I guess that's just what she decided for this year. I don't know. I think it's probably a one-time thing. I think she'll be back to having one next year.
3: I sure hope so. I missed that water slide.
0: Yeah it was a little bit confusing because at the time of recording last week's episode we had heard and seen reports that the slide was up but now I'm wondering if somehow that was an old photo that was circulating.
3: That's what I kept seeing. Yeah I didn't see any kind of real confirmation of that but you know that's what I kept seeing.
2: Yeah, it was really confusing, and you don't know unless you're actually there. If anybody was actually there and can tell us, please let us know. But we just saw reports that the slide was up, and then all of a sudden, of course, after we recorded, it was reported that it was down. And there was some activity at Taylor's house in Rhode Island. It looked like Scott and Andrea were there. Abigail was spotted in Nashville, so some people were speculating that maybe Taylor just had a small get together in nashville but we just don't know and like nate said it's just funny how the media grabs onto anything related to taylor and i think the whole lord issue that we just talked about really illustrates that but on july 5th top of the news was taylor didn't have a party this year the world is ending (laughs) kind of headlines from everywhere
3: i mean my world ended to be fair
2: but even publications like the International Business Times was reporting about this. I, <laughs> it blew my mind. I couldn't believe Craziness. it.
3: <laughs> I don't know, Taylor. Take note. I mean, everybody looks forward to those parties, whether they're there or not. So, Hopefully next year. Hint, hint. I'm winking as well right now. <laughs>
1: And our only other news item for this week is a milestone in that I Don't Want to Live Forever has now crossed 500 million streams on Spotify. So that is very cool.
2: Yeah, that's a lot for really just since December. I think I read somewhere that that song and It Ain't Me by Kygo and Selena Gomez, those two songs are the highest streaming songs of the year on Spotify.
0: Wow. I don't know about you guys, but I'm definitely continuing to just really enjoy that Taylor's on Spotify. I'm still not used to it. It still feels exciting.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, and I hope for album six, she also puts it on Spotify. I mean, who knows what she's going to do, but fingers crossed for me.
0: And that's all we have for our news for this week. We will be right back with our main discussion.
4: I don't think you should wait.
0: I think you should speak now. I'm so excited to get into the Speak Now discussion. Just hearing that monologue makes me wish I could go back to 2011.
2: It was such a good intro to the show. It was not only exciting because you knew Taylor was about to come on stage, but it was just an inspirational message for everybody.
1: And here's a quick trivia question for you guys. It might be easy for you, but I'm not sure. Um, maybe some listeners don't know. What was the final song played before Taylor hit the stage? American Girl.
3: Yeah, American Girl for that one.
1: Correct. Yeah, we've talked about that before. But
3: And to add on that for uh, The Next to a Red, of course, she played American Woman.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Which I thought was a nice progression.
0: <laughs> that was always really fun, though. I distinctly remember the crowd getting so excited when American Girl would come on.
3: So before we actually get into this, I, I really just wanted to say this one thing about Speak Now. Um, and that is, after Fearless, which obviously was an awesome tour, I mean, and, and we talked all about that, but uh, Speak Now, I think the overall coolest thing about Speak Now that kind of set a precedent for all of Taylor's remaining tours and shows and and basically everything that she does, was that this was the first concert that she had where everything in the set list had some type of awesome theatrical production. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but as far as, uh, I mean, just like everything, you had the big screen, you had uh, dancers, you had costumes, you had just all kinds of stuff that really made it an entertaining show.
2: Yeah, I remember before the tour started, Taylor talked about how she wanted the whole tour to have kind of a Broadway feel to it kind of like you were seeing a performance and I thought she just did that so well throughout the whole show you really felt like there was a little set for each song and it was just this huge production that kept you entertained from the moment it started
3: totally and To go along with that, too, I know that a lot of people really regard Speak Now as one of their favorite tours, and to me, it seems, I think it was because of this awesome production value, like the first time it ever happened, and and it was such a great tour, that this is why people really loved the Speak Now tour, is because of all of this awesome theatrical everything.
0: I think on the Fearless tour, Taylor got to really enjoy just having creative freedom. And, you know, she could make the show whatever she wanted it to be. And that was her first time being able to do that. And then I think she really asked herself how she could raise the bar. And she's continued to raise the bar for every tour. But I think Speak Now is still probably the most theatrical out of all of them.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think Fearless had elements of it. Because it did feel like each song had a different kind of set to it. But maybe not every single song. Of it. For me, what comes to mind is Love Story or Forever and Always with the chair and the video. And of course, You Belong With Me. But here, it, during the Speak Now tour, it really felt like each song was a different kind of set. Actually, when Taylor was talking about the Speak Now world tour way back in 2011, she said... The first time that I fell in love with performing is when I went to go see theater in my hometown in Pennsylvania. I would see it done incredibly well. Going to see Broadway plays of Wicked, things like that just really inspired me from an early age to love putting on a theatrical performance where there are storylines and characters, and you're always seeing a scene change into another scene. I love telling a story in any way possible. And I think she really achieved her goal for Speak Now.
3: Oh, absolutely. Hey, honestly, it's the reason that I keep going back to these shows. They just are the best shows that you will ever see. And it's all because of this production value. Well, enough gushing aside. uh, Let's dive right into the meat of this episode. We're going to start with number 13 on our countdown. Number 13 is the Sparks Fly intro.
1: The intro is always interesting because there's so many different ways that you can do it. And I really like this one because it was really neat with the smoke and the buildup of the music and coming out from underneath the stage and for the way the introduction worked with the monologue you just heard and the buildup of everything, I felt like it worked perfectly.
3: Oh, I 100% agree. And you know, us hosts always argue about what is the best intro of any concert and Mine always you know, kind of rotates, to be fair, but I think my second favorite is probably uh, the Sparks fly one, at least her coming out of the stage with all the smoke, but it is a, definitely a close second uh, to Red, if you're curious. But uh, I'm so glad that she brought it back for the Austin show. Same thing, Rose out of the stage, the smoke, uh, everything. Oh, it was awesome.
0: You know, I didn't even really think about that while being at that show, that that was so similar, but you're right, it was pretty much
2: the same thing.
3: Granted, you know, two different songs, but uh, still, it was
2: awesome. Yeah, it's really tough to figure out the favorite intro because they're all so special in their own way and set the tone for each tour. But this one was really great. And even if you just looked at her dress for that opening, it really set the stage for the whole show. Her gold flapper kind of dress.
3: Yeah, when I think of Speak Now, I think of Two Dresses, and it's definitely that gold one that first comes to mind.
1: Is the other one the purple one from the B stage?
3: You got it. I mean, who could forget
2: that? Well, and the other thing is, it was really cool that she opened with Sparks Fly, because when she started tour, that was not a single at all yet. But she knew Sparks Fly was a fan favorite. It was a song that fans demanded, really, to be on the album. (laughs) So I always thought that was cool because Taylor always takes into account what the fans like.
3: And of course, as the opening song, you know, it having a bunch of sparklers and fireworks and everything that matched her dress. I mean, it, it was just awesome to see. It, it really brought a lot of uh, pizzazz to the stage.
2: Well, our next one for number 12 is another fantastic song, and that is Mean. And speaking of the Broadway theatrical theme of the Speak Now world tour, this was, for me, I think, really reminded me the most of a Broadway show because you start the song out with her dancer acting like he's a crew member sweeping the stage. He's dressed in an old-fashioned way, sweeping and really performing a dance while he's sweeping. And you have really just the separate set for this whole song. And then the way Taylor bounced out of the floor when he flipped the switch off that was so great what a great way to start the song
0: yeah i forgot about that moment that was so great
3: when you think back on that it's a little dangerous i'm glad taylor never got hurt doing that
0: yeah
1: that's a good point i feel like she could have twisted an ankle
2: but remember during red how every night she would jump off that staircase
1: oh yeah that's true too
2: and she would always just try to get higher and higher i think she loves the danger element and now that I'm saying that, I wonder if her jumping out for Mean inspired her to jump off those stairs during the Red tour.
3: Well, you know, one of my favorite things about this Mean performance was the costumes, the set itself. I mean, uh, if you guys have ever seen, and I sure hope you have, uh, the Mean music video, same thing. Taylor's dressed in that, you know, kind of country, farmy style Uh, dress. Anyway, with a bunch of farm animals and all of her band is there. And, uh, you know, she's strumming on the banjo. And when she's singing this song, it's just such an amazing performance. I mean, just to have all of that production and, of course, a fan favorite. I mean, Mean was huge at the time. Huge, huge, huge song. So anyway, definitely
2: one of my favorites. And one really cool tidbit about Mean is that during a performance in Los Angeles, Ellen actually came out on stage during Mean. And if you haven't seen that ever, go look up the video of it. I think Ellen included it on an episode of her own show. She was
3: playing the triangle. Yes. <laughs> In true Ellen fashion.
2: Yes. She she played the triangle and I think they were even backstage walking around and Ellen made this joke about how America's sweetheart was finally there and entered the arena and then she said oh and taylor swift's here too (laughs) something really funny like that but the whole video was just great and then to look back on that along with her most recent appearance for style in los angeles it's just funny
0: i love that style one i wish i was there
3: i'd like to just make it to a show that ellen comes out as a guest i would love to see her
0: That'll be something really great when Taylor finally releases music as we'll finally get to see her back on Ellen again.
2: Yeah, I was just thinking that. She hasn't been on there in forever.
1: Yeah, it's been far too long.
2: That's
0: always the best, most enjoyable interview.
2: It is. Ellen has a way of getting a lot of interesting interview questions out of Taylor, not just the typical questions that everybody asks.
0: Well, moving on to our number 11 moment one that I'm sure everyone remembers very well, the Speak Now wedding scene that was acted out as part of that performance.
2: That was incredible. It was really just a whole set. The whole stage looked like a church. They had everybody sitting there, like they were at the service, at the wedding.
0: They had a bride and a groom, and then Taylor shows up at the top of the steps.
2: Well, and even just the way... The stage was designed with the staircase and even just the details of how there were S's in the staircase. I thought that was a nice touch. But that staircase worked out so well for that song. It felt like you were at a play.
0: And does anyone remember the white gloves?
2: Yes.
3: <laughs> oh, how could you forget the white gloves?
0: <laughs> Those were so iconic.
1: And I love how this song was a transition to the B stage when Taylor gets the groom towards the end of the song, and then she walks down off the stage and heads back through the crowd to the B stage.
0: Yes. And this was really the last time that she was able to just walk through the crowd like that. On Red, if you guys remember, she was carried by her dancers. So, But on Speak Now, she was hugging and grabbing hands and taking her time going all the way down the floor.
2: Yeah, that was a good transition. And of course, like Nate said, during this portion of the show, she had on the purple dress. I love that dress.
0: Which she ends up wearing then for quite a few songs.
2: Right. Kind of like how for 1989, the white crop top and shorts with the black boots. Similar to that, Taylor wore that for so many songs for 1989. And here the purple dress was at the same portion of the show.
3: You know, obviously, as Speak Now being the title track for the album, she definitely did it justice with the whole wedding scene.
2: Definitely. Although, as far as I can remember, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think she's ever performed Speak Now since then. Has she ever done it as a secret song?
0: No, I think it's unfortunately just one of those songs that kind of has to stay with that tour, which makes sense. But of course, we
2: miss it i'd love to hear it again someday
1: well our number 10 moment is the finale to the show and that is love story and we picked that due to the very unique nature of the performance of this song it was definitely a first for taylor and what she did was go on a little mini balcony On the stage, and then the balcony lifted up and went and basically did like a a circle or an oval around the arena uh, closer to the outside so that the people that were on the sides high up and in the back could get a much, much closer look at her.
2: I always loved that about Taylor. She always made a point of saying, even if you can't afford to get great tickets or if you're just not lucky enough to get great tickets and you're way up in the nosebleeds. She still thinks every fan should have a good seat. And she structures her tours to make sure that everybody does have a good view. And the balcony was just the beginning of her figuring out ways to reach as many fans as possible. Because, of course, with the Red Tour, she had the, the arm that swung out. And she also flew during Sparks Fly. Well, and also during the Red Tour, she had the B stage that went up and down so that people could see her and it spun around. And then for 1989, she took it even further with the propeller so that people could see her. And so for me, I think the Love Story Balcony was just the beginning of her coming up with all these great ideas to reach as many fans as she could.
1: And it makes you wonder, what is she going to devise for the next one?
3: Taylor will literally just walk through the crowd the entire time singing.
1: (laughs) She'll do one song from each section.
2: That would be great. But unfortunately, it might be unrealistic due to security concerns.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, on that note, too, it's funny when you bring up Red, uh, because obviously she was carried through the crowd for Red. And then she flew back to the stage uh, during Sparks flight on the same, you know, balcony style thing, as you as you mentioned, Steph. I wonder if she just did that because it was such it's such a security concern uh, you know, when you look at the official Sparks Fly music video, and it gets to the point where she starts walking through the crowd and she's, uh, you know, hugging people and, and things like that. But the fans are going absolutely ballistic. <laughs> it's like, no wonder that she doesn't do that anymore. I mean, she could seriously get hurt.
2: Yeah. And I think she probably realized that. So she had to figure out ways so that fans could still see her and feel like they're really a part of the show. And she just always finds a way to top herself. So in my head right now, I can't think of how you can top a propeller that moves at 25 miles an hour. But she'll find a way for the next tour. Absolutely.
3: Either way, mad props because this was definitely one of the coolest parts of the entire tour.
2: Yeah, other artists just don't do anything like that. They usually stay on the main stage and that's it.
3: So for number nine on our countdown, this has always been one of my favorites. Uh, If you guys remember, Taylor always used to write lyrics on her arm before every show. Uh, She'd always pick uh, some either song that she liked or that she'd heard or something new that came out. And she would write a particular lyric that she liked um, along the side of her arm. Anyway, so number nine is the arm lyrics.
2: There's a great article on Taste of Country that Nate found. And it covers all of Taylor's arm lyrics. If you just Google Taste of Country Taylor Swift arm lyrics, it will pop right up. But it gives a list of every single lyric that she wrote on her arm. And it even gives you the dates and the locations. So when we were looking through them, we saw some interesting ones. For example, Taylor used Andy Grammer, Keep Your Head Up, in Omaha, Nebraska on May 27th, 2011. You got to keep your head up, but you can let your hair down. And that was exciting for us because we got to interview Andy Grammer on an episode and he was so awesome. And it's just really cool that Taylor's been a fan of him for so long.
0: Yeah, because she, like you said, that lyric was on her arm in May. And then in September is when he actually came out and ended up performing that with her.
2: And he's been a consistent special guest because he also showed up for the 1989 tour.
1: I think one of my favorites was a lyric from a Jimmy Eat World song, and it's from the song The Middle, and it's the lyric, little girl, you're in the middle of the ride, and I just think that's very relevant to Taylor, because she was just in the middle of this grand world tour, and she's just in the middle of it all, and experiencing everything.
2: That's so true, and she used Jimmy Eat World four different times, which... I didn't do an analysis of every single lyric, but it looked to me like that was the artist she included the most. And we also had the privilege of interviewing Jimmy Eat World, so that's pretty cool that she, again, has been a fan of bands like Jimmy Eat World and singers like Andy Grammer for so long. I also thought it was cool that she included a lyric from Ryan Adams way back in August of 2011. (laughs) Because, as we all know, he then did a cover of the whole 1989 album. And I
0: think that generally all these artists realize that Taylor is very genuine with her compliments. When she says she's a fan of someone, she's really, really a fan of them. And I think it means lots of these people.
2: Definitely. And she stays a fan. There were a lot of other groups like Paramore, Coldplay, that have just been constants in Taylor's life forever
3: you know another one that was one of my favorites of hers is actually a quote from well it's not really sure where the quote actually comes from technically uh it's assumed that she's quoting actually robert f kennedy um who i guess at the time was quoting uh this playwright george bernard shaw anyway the quote itself is i dream of things that never were and ask why not I don't know. It always just kind of struck a chord with me. But it's interesting to me that in this time period, of course, this was pre-Red. I feel like this was when Taylor was really starting to get into that whole 50s era, you know, thing that she did with with Red, the the whole theme. Anyway, I just thought it was cool.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And the quote itself is also great because at that point, I'm sure Taylor was dreaming of a lot of things. That she probably wasn't even sure whether they would be possible. But she figured, why not? Well, for number eight, we included... This only happened on a few dates, but we included where Taylor added ours to the set list. And I never got to see this live, but I thought it was really cool. She also added other songs like Superman and Eyes Open which I also never got to see, but I thought it was really cool that she did that. It was usually toward the end, right around 15.
0: I did get to see ours, and it was really great to see it.
1: Yeah, I would have liked to have seen ours, Eyes Open, or Superman, any of those. Those are great.
3: And she would perform these, um, I think, either sitting on a bench or or a sofa or, or whatever, I think in the 15 outfit, right?
0: Yeah, it was like a little sofa that she had on stage.
3: I'm so glad she added it to the set list. I think it was really one of her best songs at the time. And because it came out as a single, obviously a great way to promote it.
1: And it was also included on the Speak Now World Tour Live, which is great.
2: Yeah, I would love to
1: hear that song
0: again someday.
3: Yeah, me too. It definitely remains as one of my favorite songs of hers of, of all time.
0: So our number seven moment is one that is kind of like a combination of moments, but we wanted to just talk about the whole B-stage set list. So on the B-stage, if you guys remember, it was really cool. She had sort of like this tree that was in the middle of the stage and the stage was round and it just slowly rotated constantly. So as she was sitting and playing, she just kept going around in a circle.
2: Yeah. And kind of like I was saying with the balcony, I feel like this was the start. Obviously, for the Fearless Tour, she was on a similar rotating B-stage stage. But this, she brought it to another level. And then with red, she had it actually move up and down. And it was much bigger. And then that evolved into the propeller that moved around the whole arena. (laughs) So you, you can just see this progression over each tour. But this one was so pretty. The tree and the lights. I feel like it's kind of an iconic image from the Speak Now World Tour. Just Taylor sitting with her guitar at the tree.
0: And so on the B stage, she sang a number of songs. She had a mashup of Fearless, Hey Soul Sister, and I'm Yours, which was awesome. Then she would do Last Kiss, which was a very, very long performance and was great. And then she would often do a cover song, which if you guys remember, she would basically pick a song from an artist that was from that city And then finally, she would do You Belong With Me. So she really spent a long, long time on this stage.
2: Yeah, don't you think that's probably the longest time she's spent on the B stage for any tour? I think so. I think it is. And just the, the fearless mashup with Hey Soul Sister and I'm Yours was so cool.
3: Oh yeah, well of course, because she busted out the ukulele.
0: I would love to see her bring back the ukulele.
3: I know, me too. I feel like just about any song that she has would sound, you know, as magnificent, if not better, played on this ukulele.
2: Yeah, it just made it really different. The Speak Now world tour, I think, was special because she played so many different instruments on the whole thing. You have the banjo, ukulele, regular guitar. But I did really love the ukulele.
1: Well, for our number six moment, we picked... All of the different special guests that Taylor had on the Speak Now tour. Of course, for the Fearless tour, she didn't have a whole lot, but she definitely ramped it up for this tour. So out of the list of special guests from this tour, let's each name our favorite. So what were your guys' favorites?
0: Even with a shorter list, I find it pretty hard to choose.
2: Yeah, definitely. I know for me personally, I really wanted to make the final shows in New York and unfortunately it could not, but those were all great. Goo Goo Dolls, James Taylor, her namesake, she was named after James Taylor, and of course, Selena.
3: You know, one thing that strikes me as interesting from the guests that she brought out from this tour, uh, if you look at 1989, for the most part, she kind of just brought out, for the most part, uh, a lot of the current pop artists of 2015, For this tour, it seems like she really kind of went back and she she picked a lot of her favorite artists from uh, songs that she loved when she was growing up or, of course, as you just mentioned, Steph, James Taylor. I mean, uh, just some really cool people. One of my favorites uh, was Tal Bachman. I really love his song. You guys uh, probably know it. She's so high. But anyway, uh, I thought it was really cool that she brought basically this one hit wonder out on stage just to sing this song.
1: And I think, Nate, part of the reason for that is that these guests seem to definitely be geared towards the city that they were in, as opposed to Red in 1989, where it was just random.
3: Right. Yeah. uh, She would typically pick artists from that actual city,
1: right? Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I remember before each of the shows that I went to trying to come up with a list of people that were from there and I never got it right. But it was always really exciting that she kind of kept it consistent like that. I think my favorite, honestly, I mean, I'm biased, but would have to be Jimmy Eat World in Phoenix.
1: Yeah, that was great. I'm going to go with Jason Mraz in Los Angeles.
0: That was cool because she had been covering him throughout the whole tour.
1: Right, it was a good connection.
2: And B.O.B. was cool because Taylor had the song with him, both of us.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. But that was later.
2: Yeah, it just sort of maybe foreshadowed it.
0: Yeah, I think they performed Airplanes. Right.
3: I always kick myself because when that song came out, I never actually bought the physical single, uh, like on eBay or, or wherever, you know, the radio DJ singles that go out. I'm so mad because I can't find one anymore.
0: It's a great song.
2: I know. Yeah, it is. I think it's one people forget about a lot.
0: And now without any further ado, we're going to be moving into our top five with some really awesome moments. So our number five moment is the mashup of Back to December with Apologize and You're Not Sorry. I think I forgot how mashup heavy this whole tour was.
3: It really was. And I wouldn't say it's a bad thing.
2: No.
0: I loved it. I wish she would (laughs) do it again.
3: Oh, for sure. And especially the song. Oh, my God. Back to December, first of all. uh, She may have played it, like, I know at least once, maybe twice, like on Red Tour, B Stage. But we have not heard this song basically since this tour.
2: It's such an underrated song.
3: Absolutely. It's one of my favorites of all time of Taylor's, is Back to December.
2: And like I was saying, with the way Taylor designed the whole stage, it worked so well, specifically for the Back to December song. With At the beginning, you had the string instruments on the actual bridge. You had the snow falling down. It was just beautiful, the whole thing.
3: Of course, the hair flips. I mean, we can't forget about the hair flips. <laughs> And can I agree with you guys uh, in saying that, yeah, Taylor needs to do more of these mashups, but also that this specific one was brilliant. How awesome was this? Apologize, you're not sorry. I don't know. I just felt like it was perfect for this
1: song.
2: It absolutely was.
1: For the next tour, we need another three-song mashup, that's for sure.
2: Yeah. And this must have been the first time Taylor mashed herself up with herself. (laughs) And we got to see that again in 1989. But I would love to to know how she comes up with those ideas and I hope we get to see more soon.
0: Well, our number four moment is Haunted.
3: So the thing about Haunted that I love, and I think we can all agree, is the intro for this song. Taylor, the bell, the bell solo. Taylor just slamming this bell with that mallet that she had, uh, this super dramatic intro. Definitely one of my favorite parts of the entire tour.
2: Oh, absolutely. I feel like I say on every episode where we cover tours, When Taylor does percussion kind of things, it's my favorite. Fearless, you had the drum off before. Should have said no. Here you have the bell. And then, of course, Holy Ground for the Red Tour. She's just so talented with all these different instruments. It's amazing to me. And this just it really made the tone of the song feel haunting, which was perfect for Haunted.
3: And I'm going to say this again, but I'm so sad that we haven't really heard the song since the tour.
1: Right. It's another very, very underrated one that I think a lot of people absolutely love.
2: And another just interesting piece of information, if you don't know, the bell actually had inscribed on it the Roman numerals for 13. Uh, What was really cool after the Speak Now World Tour is the Country Music Hall of Fame put on an exhibit and Taylor had all of her costumes and set pieces and you could go look at them and see photos from the tours. really cool. But I thought that was awesome that she had it inscribed with 13 on there.
0: She's pretty much always had a 13 as part of the set in some sort of sneaky way. And I love that.
2: Yeah, for Speak Now, the bottom of the balcony for Love Story also had a 13 on it.
3: Oh, did it really? I didn't know
2: that. Yeah, at the Country Music Hall of Fame, they had it set up, and you could see below it. It It's pretty cool.
3: Oh, that's craziness.
0: Well, I definitely think it could make a great acoustic secret song if she ever chooses to bring it back that way. 100%
3: agreed. Please, please, please do this, Taylor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Our number three moment, which nobody can forget, is the iconic performance of Long Live, where Taylor brought the whole band on stage.
4: Listen to your goodbye If you have children someday Then I point to the picture
3: Before we dive into it. I want to just say something about these top three. Even how tough was it to choose these top three that Long Live comes in at the rank that it did? I mean, oh my god, everybody loves this song! So, you know, take it with a grain of salt the next three that we have because really you can interchange them. But Long Live with the entire band playing, uh, of course, the original band, too. Uh, that's the original agency you have. You have Liz, you have Caitlin, you have Grant, you have Al Wilson, uh, everybody who was once a part of that epic troupe was all there and of course you know they've gone on to do different things but to go back and to watch the dvd and see all of them there it really is just adds something to that song that we can all appreciate i think
1: and i like how long live was the finale before the encore and this was actually the last time that Taylor did this for the Red Tour and the 1989 tour. There was no encore. The setlist just went straight through. But at the end of Long Live, it sort of seemed like the concert was over. But then Taylor did return for 15 and Love Story.
0: And I can't decide if I feel like she should bring the encore back. I do miss it. But I also think it's fine for the show to just be kind of straightforward. I don't know. What do you guys think?
3: I'm with you on that. I, I do like how it, when it ends, it, it's definitely over. Uh, You know, no surprises, no uh, us leaving the arena and then come to find out that Taylor actually had an encore. <laughs> you know, and just completely throw us all off. I like at least knowing when the show is going to end. So I don't know. I'd hate to confuse people and have them miss out on a part of the show.
2: Yeah, I remember before 1989 started for the tour, I was hoping... Taylor would maybe bring an encore back, but I did, really didn't miss it. I think in a way, 1989 felt like it kind of had an encore, just because you had the breaks with the videos. So I don't know, it is, it is tough to say, but I would think I would go without one. I like the way she's been doing it.
0: Well, our number two moment, which again, any of these could have easily been number one, was the performance of Dear John and the Firework grand finale,
4: Shut
1: This might be my favorite performance of the tour. I just love how the song is so slow and it's pretty long song too. And it just builds and builds to that crescendo when she hits the high note and the fireworks go off. And I remember watching videos on YouTube because the reaction to people who didn't know it was coming was absolutely hilarious.
2: Were they just really surprised?
1: Yes, they had no idea the fireworks were about to come. And then they go off and people are jumping and they're they're shocked. And it's pretty funny.
2: Well, of course, if
3: people don't know, uh, of course, the fireworks shot off during the lyric, shining like fireworks over your sad empty town.
2: Yeah, and even in the arena shows, she couldn't do a huge firework there for obvious reasons, but she still had some pyrotechnics in the arenas.
0: And I just even more so than the fireworks, just think about that high note that she hit and how amazing that was.
3: And she held it for so long too. It felt like three minutes of this high note.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And really the performance for that, kind of like Adam said, it it felt really simple and slow, but then it just builds up, which makes it just so much more powerful.
3: Makes it a lot more intimate with the audience, I think.
0: And finally, our number one moment had to be none other than Taylor's cover songs.
3: To me, when you look back at what really sets each tour apart, for 1989, it was The Special Guests. For Red Tour, it was The Secret Song. For Speak Now, it was definitely these cover songs. Taylor would come on, and this was, of course, on the B stage, and she would pick something, anything, one of her favorite songs. And as we said earlier, it was always a song that was performed by somebody who is from that particular city. Definitely one of my favorites of all time, and I'm so glad that it is on the Speak Now Tour DVD, is Drops of Jupiter.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. That song by itself is just so great. And it's such an old song. I was just talking about it the other day, but it has withstood the test of time.
0: Yeah, I just just saw a train in concert, and everyone still goes crazy over that song.
2: And to hear Taylor sing, it just makes it that much better.
1: And I know I've said this on the podcast before, but I was fortunate enough to be in attendance at that show um, because Train is from San Francisco, and this show was actually a little bit down the road in San Jose, but the same general area. And it was just unbelievable to be there. It was awesome.
3: Adam, I've said this before, but I'm so insanely jealous that you were at that show. That seriously is such an iconic show. One of a kind.
1: Yeah, it was great. And I'm so glad to have the memory of it on the live DVD.
2: So does anyone else have favorites?
0: One of my favorites, and it might just be because they released it on the DVD and CD, but it's definitely Betty Davis Eyes. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a good one, too.
0: She's got Betty Davis (laughs) Eyes.
1: I didn't know that song before hearing Taylor cover it, did you?
0: Probably not. As Taylor mentioned when she introed it, it came out quite a few years before she was born.
3: You know, I hear that song on the radio all the time. And, uh, you know, I've heard it for years, you know, just like on variety radio. But I never actually listened and appreciated that song until Taylor covered it.
2: Yeah, me too. Now I hear it more often. And I'm glad that I know what it is. Thanks to Taylor. Another
0: favorite of mine was when she came to Chicago, she covered Fallout, Boy Sugar, We're Going Down. That was pretty cool.
3: Oh, yeah, that's right. That was a really cool performance.
1: And I didn't get to see that one. But uh, my other favorite was the other show that I attended, also in Chicago, when she covered I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick.
0: Yeah, that was awesome.
2: Yeah, that was. I remember that.
0: And I remember finding out later on that Scott Borchetta is a huge fan of Cheap Trick, so I kind of wonder if that had something to do with that. Oh,
2: cool. I thought it was really cool that Taylor did Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning by Alan Jackson when she had a show on September 11th. She was actually in Vancouver, and that's a song I just never thought I would ever hear Taylor sing, and she did an amazing job, and I liked how she paid tribute that day. I also thought it was really cool that she covered TLC, Unpretty, because actually a member of TLC, Chili, just this past week said in an interview how much she loves Taylor and admires her work. And then another really funny thing is Taylor covered Living on a Prayer with Bon Jovi when she was in New Jersey. And a couple years later, if you remember Taylor went to this event in the United Kingdom, and she went on stage with Bon Jovi and Prince William, and they sang Living on a Prayer.
1: That's right. That's very cool.
2: (laughs) That's not the whole, started from the bottom, (laughs) now we're here, I I don't really know what is.
3: (laughs) You have to admit, that is pretty epic. Anything with Bon Jovi. Another one of my favorites is a cover that she did, which, if any of you guys know of a good quality video, please, please tell me. But it was How to Save a Life uh, that she covered in Denver. Do you guys remember that cover?
2: Yes. Yeah, vaguely. It was so
1: good.
3: Oh, man. But there are no good videos of it.
2: Such a good song, too.
3: Anyway, I want you listeners to let me know where it's at. Link me. Find me on Twitter.
0: Somewhere. Somebody has that video on their hard drive somewhere, I would bet. Oh, yeah. We need that video.
3: Need. Much emphasis on Need.
0: Well, we hope you enjoyed this look back as much as we did. I had so much fun talking about all of these moments.
1: Definitely. Now we've covered all four tours. So like we mentioned, we'll have to try to figure out something to do for the first era, the self-titled album era.
0: And just a few reminders for you guys. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes. That downloads our latest episode for you automatically every week. And also, please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating that helps other people to find our show. And you can contact us in a variety of ways. We're at SwiftCast13 on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email us at swiftcast13show at gmail.com. Or you can find all of this on our website at swiftcast13.com. But for now, for episode 207, this has been Ashley,
2: Adam, Nate, and Steph.
0: And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye, guys. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.